Gibbs and Gambo. Afternoons. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Suns run to the playoffs coverage. Brought to you by Canvas Annuity. Score up to 6.25% on your retirement savings. All right, back here with you on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I think this one officially qualifies as my favorite thing that we're going to talk about today. I really, really, really like this. Okay. This is a story on the ringer. Which of the NBA's one-way teams will win the West? And here's what they mean by that. All right. Typically, they went back and kind of looked at the history of the NBA. And usually, for the most part, if you're going to win a championship, you have to be good on offense and defense. Maybe not great. Maybe not elite. But top you have to 11. Be good. Yeah. Top 11. You have to be top 11 mm-hmm. in terms of defensive, offensive rank, defensive rank. You have to be top 11 in both. And there are exceptions. There's always going to be exceptions. There are two that they pointed out. The Warriors who, the 2022 Warriors who were second in defense, but 15th in offense. And then the Pistons, that Detroit team that was, uh, no, the Lakers. The Lakers were once number one on offense, number 22 on defense. So very rarely, though, usually you're top 11 in in both categories. Right. So, and, and that's where you're seeing a lot of people having a hard time picking a team out of the West, because in the East, you got plenty of teams like that. You got Three plenty, of them. Got plenty of balanced teams at the Boston, Philly, and Cleveland. Remarkably, Milwaukee is not they're one of those right balanced there. teams. They're right there. They're, they're right, right on the verge, verge of being yeah, there, they're right on the so verge. they're close. So the Ringer did a really, really good job of kind of deep diving into every single team in the West and saying, okay, who comes the closest to being the most balanced? Who features that balance that you're looking for to at least give you a shot? Barely. Barely. There are, there are two. And the Suns are kind of one of them. I'll explain in a minute. Memphis is the other one. 11th on offense, third on defense. They're barely 11th on offense, right? right. They barely make the cut. Go yes. Ahead. No, it's one of the things that's fascinating is just when you look at the, the Nuggets of the number one seed, they were 53 and 29. That's the worst regular season winning record for a Western winner since the 78 79 Supersonics. Okay? You were a young man. I was. When that team. I was like 12 years old. was one in the West. Yeah. 78. The Grizzlies had the best point differential in the West. 3.9 per game. That's the lowest since the 83-84 Lakers. So the two teams at the top... The best record is the best record of, you know, the best record is actually the worst best record since the 70s. And the Grizzlies point differential is the best, but it's the best worst one since 83, 84. I found that fascinating. Hmm? All right, now go ahead, because I just wanted to get that out there. Um, so the Grizzlies, 11th on offense, third on defense. The Suns, the team we all care about, 14th on offense, 7th on defense. Now, the only reason why they're putting the Suns into their two-way candidate category, joining Memphis as the only other one, is because while they say that, yes, obviously the offense hasn't been what everybody thought it was going to be, they've got the usual litany of reasons why. They didn't trade for Kevin Durant until halfway through the season. He only played eight games. Devin Booker missed 30 games this year because of injuries, right? right. Only played 50 games. They're presuming that had 
Durant been around for longer and Booker just been healthier, they probably would have been a top ten offense. They play right. and because with with Kevin Durant on the floor, they basically are a top ten offense. In fact, they're a top two offense when Kevin Durant has been on the floor so far in a very small sample size. So they're kind of projecting the Suns into this top ten of in, the offense. In two hundred and sixty nine minutes with Durant, the Suns scored at a better rate than every every other team in the league except the Kings. So that that is so that may show you that okay, the Suns don't fit into the criteria of having a top 11 offense and top 11 defense. But they do have the seventh best defense, believe it or not, seventh on defense, 14th on offense. But that's got to be skewed a little bit because of no Durant, which is why this is the great experiment and so on. You can't compare it to anything. So the Suns are one of the outliers in how to judge this. The Grizzlies, 11th on offense, third on defense. They're the best of the two-way candidates. Yeah, I mean, they're they're the closest to the two-way candidates, but I kind of agree with their basic premise is that is that the Suns' offense will be considerably better with Durant and Booker out there because they just haven't had that option, which is why they write, quote, if there's one Western team with the most potential to pair a top offense with a top defense, it's clearly Phoenix. And that's why the Suns with Durant are betting favorites to advance to the NBA Finals. The other teams in the West, they're all heavily skewed one way or the other. They do not feature that balance. Your offensively skewed basketball teams. The Nuggets, fifth on offense, 15th on defense. The Kings, first on offense, 23rd on defense. The Warriors, 10th on offense, 14th on defense. See, now that's the one. Yeah, they miss it by just a little bit on the yes. defensive side. See, that's the one where I, and I, I again, I'm kind of looking for evidence that supports my own kind of theories on this one. That's kind of why I'm a little nervous about the Warriors, because they're A, they're close to that balance, and B, I think that 14th number on defense is going to be improved greatly with more games with Gary Payton the second, because he's really good defensively, Wiggins. and with the return of Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, so they, like the Suns, could be a little bit better than what the numbers say. The the um, the one-way candidates skewed towards defense, the Timberwolves, 23rd on offense, 10th on defense, and the Pelicans, 20th on offense, 6th on defense. So you got some teams that are skewed offense, some that are skewed defense, and then you've got and this is where the Clippers come into the category. The zero-way candidates, they're not good enough on offense or defense to register. Yeah, Clippers, 17th on offense, 17th on defense. The Lakers, 19th on offense, tied for 12th on defense. The Thunder, 16th on offense, 12th on defense. Right. It's just kind of that, you know. And, and of all of those, the Lakers are the one that everybody, you know, oh, but LeBron, oh, but AD, oh, but LeBron. And, of course, they're playing tonight. They're playing against Minnesota tonight. And we'll get an idea of how good they're going to be. Um, I mean, they go back and, and they look at teams that that were not in the top 11 on either offense or defense. Man, those teams were lucky if they won a series, let alone go to the Western Conference Finals or the Eastern Conference Finals. There's only finals. six of them that won a series, right? Uh, five, well, five, five of them won a series. And only one series did they win. Yeah, so it's that it's that balance that you're looking for. And, and in particular, it's the it's the good defense that you're looking for. The, the teams with the historically bad defenses, man, they, they're few, and, and the Suns actually once upon a time qualified for this. Bad defense teams that actually won a playoff series. The 2010 Phoenix Suns, Alvin Gentry's Western Conference finalists yep. with Steve Nash, 
Christian, Amari and Grant Hill, that great team that flamed out against the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals, they were number one in the NBA in offense that year, but 23rd in defense, and yet they won two series despite that handicap. There aren't a lot of teams recently in the history of the NBA that have won too many playoff series with a defense that is historically that bad. No, and the good news for the Suns in, in all of this, and really just doing the numbers crunch on this, four of the top D5 defenses are in the East. You're not going to face a lot of the best defenses in the Western Conference playoffs. You're not going up against the best defenses. Four of the five best defenses are in the Eastern Conference. So, And six of the top nine are in the East. So that gives you, I think, a little bit of like, because I don't know that anybody could stop. I always say the teams that can play defense have the best chance of beating the Suns. Those teams are all in the East. Yeah. They're all in the East. Four of the top five in the East. That benefits Phoenix. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And and that's what still makes me a little nervous about the Warriors because I think that much as I think the Suns offensively their numbers will improve, I think the Warriors defensive numbers will improve, which is why that potential showdown in the Western Conference Finals between those two teams maybe maybe is looming out there. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the Arizona Cardinals opened up their mini camp today, their off-season conditioning program. We'll hear from them and the latest on what's going on with the controversy around the Cardinals. That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Home of the Suns. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. leader. Coming off the court. You hear it straight from a Suns player. With Burns and Gambo. Brought to you by America Roofing. Arizona's number one roofer online at americaroofingco.com. For a free estimate or 10% off any roof repair. That's americaroofingco.com. All right, we've been doing this a long time. Uh, you and me, Gambo. This is super cool. I'm, I'm so excited about this because we've had this running joke with our off the court with a Suns player that we've had Ish Wainwright on so many times that he's practically going to be a co-host of the show. So we had no idea who our son's player guest was this week. And I'm like, do we have a guest or not? In through the door, there he is. Ish Wainwright yeah. joining us in studio. <laughs> and it was your idea. It was my idea. This is your idea to join yeah. us in studio. Well, right. Welcome. Thank uh, no, you. Thank you for having me again now and, and you know, in the flesh. You know, it's no more on the phone. Um, but no, I told you I want to be a co-host. Yeah. Listen, when the playing career is over, we hope you play a long time. I mean, this isn't a bad way to make a living, my yeah, friend. It just sucks. My voice is gone. I've been yelling and stuff, trying to be a quarterback on the court um, and on a bench. But, you know. Yeah, I here you got to talk. You can't lose your voice. I've lost my you've Four hours. You got to talk for four hours. Four hours. Four. Sometimes yeah, four and a half. That, huh? I quit. <laughs> four and a half. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the shortest radio career in the yeah. history of the medium. That is good perks, though. Four like, that's some good perks. <laughs> yeah. So when it when okay, uh, honest quote. When did you get the idea to just come in and do this? After like, the last after the last interview. Okay. Yeah, you said I, I got to go in with those guys. I went to practice. I went to practice the next day. I told Cole, I say, I, I think I'm I'm gonna just go in there and just see if I can actually like you know just surprise them and just pop up there. Because we because the last time we had you on. We were like, man, this is like, we're, we're, it, yeah. it felt like every month we're talking to Ish. I'll see you next week. And we love our conversation. Yeah, but it's like, all right, talk to you guys next week, right? Yeah, that's that's so cool. First all of right, all, let's, 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 go ahead. let's yeah, test yeah. him for a second. So you're, if you're a talk show host right now, what are you talking about? I'm talking about playoffs. What? I'm talking about tonight's game against right. uh, the playing games. They're, they're starting tonight. I can be right. The, the Lakers, Minnesota. What are you thinking there? Um, Lakers. I say that because, I mean. Well, give me some reasons why. Give me okay, your so, talk show so host I, now. It's going to be a good game. 
I will say that. Even without Gobert? Even without Gobert. McDaniels? Even McDaniels. And also, um, even without um, Big Fella. Other Big Fella. Um, Cat? Oh, no. Nasri. Um, Nasri. 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 I was just watching TV. Somebody made a good, a good, a good, um, like a good point. Point. Um, a scared dog is 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 dangerous in the corner. And, and you think Minnesota's Minnesota is Minnesota's going to give them a run for their money? I, so? I'm taking the Lakers because they're they're going to be ready. You know they have more experience, and also everybody knows LeBron's a different human being in the playoffs. So How yeah. do they match up against AD without having Gobert there? Uh, defense. They they need to do something as far as defense. I'm pretty sure Torian Prince is going to step up and do what he got to do, but you know um, they're going to have to play collective defense for real. What do you think? Trap at all all angles. What do you think of the Gobert? Punch! Oh man, that's basketball. On Edwards, that's basketball. No it, just big happened, deal. it just happened to be. It just happened to be, just you know, on TV, you know. But you still got. You still got control. Yeah, you got control. Whatever that's going on, you can say whatever you want to say. But it shouldn't be no punches or anything like that thrown. Because you've been. I mean, look, you've been in a lot of locker rooms. You've been yeah. in a lot of. Okay, I, I mean, a situation like that, Minnesota, from the outside looking in, it looks kind of messy. It looks right? messy. It looks. It looks. It looks like they don't really jail, but it's basketball. You, this a brotherhood. You know, like. It, that's not it's it happens everywhere you know what I mean yeah. look, at, look at early in the season with the Draymond and Jordan oh, that doesn't happen that's everywhere big, that's the big brother little brother type thing you know they're still cool they're still winning games they're still on the court at the same time I mean it's just it's a new day yeah. I'm pretty sure they talked about it of course it's going to be you know they, they were competing so hey it's basketball. Let's talk about your team and, and the difference this year from last year. Not having to wait to see who you're going to play, no, know no who you're going to play. It's all locked in. It's all set. How much easier does that make it this week going into it, knowing you don't have to wait to see who you're going to ma- match up with? Um, well, we just played against them, too, so we kind of like, like, it helped us out. It helped the second group know how to remove how to uh, how to play against those guys because the second group just played against their first group you know but without PG and stuff like that but it gives us confidence it gives us um, a feel of how you know those guys played like that was my first time playing against Kawhi holding Kawhi like since I didn't I didn't play against him last year he didn't play last year what'd you think he was, he's a monster but I all due respect like I'm I'm still a young player but I, I respect those guys because those guys have won championships those guys know what it takes to win um, but I mean I, we're prepared we're going to be prepared we have practice tomorrow guys are, guys are in the gym they have been in the gym no matter if they were like sitting and you know resting and stuff like that or you know they're in the gym kd and cp was just in the game it's just in the gym i'm talking about a full-fledged workout really yes like today just yes, now just like today. like just, you know, just, just today. today i worked out then they got on the court and worked out and i'm talking about the old their whole demeanor their whole attitude and face race everything is just different like i said playoff basketball is Ten times different. Than, I, th- you know, I think Chris is still a huge, of course, uh, importance for you guys. Of huge. That's, that's Even though Chris KD Ball. and De- Devin Booker, he had to take a lot of the load off. I think, I think Chris is vital to you guys being able to win. He is. He is. Everybody's going. to I mean, that's CP is a point guy. He knows basketball more than everybody else on this earth, probably. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I mean, hey, he's ready. Yeah, and, and he's going to be the glue guy, right? Yes. He's going to hold it all together. Yes. But 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 I've liked how you know these open shots he's going to get because oh, he's yeah. going to get open I shots, call, right? I keep calling him a spot up shooter now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> does he like it? Does he like being called a spot up shooter? Okay with it. He's, okay, okay, with with it? It? he's okay with it. Because I got I mean, his whole career, he's like pass, 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 pass. Always looking for a better shot. You are the best shot, right? Yeah, like yeah. I mean, there are going to be times mm-hmm. in this series, in this whole playoffs, where Chris Paul is the, that's the best shot you can take. Right, yeah. that's the best shot you're going to get. He's going to pull the trigger on that, yes. right? Yes. Damn, when you play with those guys, I, I mean, have you had any contested three pointers? 
No. No. Last game, yeah. <laughs> no, but you <laughs> again, the Laker game, I did. I think I had like one or two. I, I was like over oh, over seven, but oh, well, that that was last game. But, but most of your most no. of your threes are but wide open in this offense. They, they, they make it so easy, like. When Katie's Katie's first game, I think was Josh. Josh had twenty five points, and yeah. like he had like how many catch and shoot threes? Seven. So seven. He yeah. was There's like seven, seven for like eight or nine or something. Like he looked at us and he was like, "That was the easiest." It's wide open. <laughs> <laughs> like they make it so everybody knows that everybody that plays the game knows you add you add certain players to a team, it makes the game much easier. Is there yeah. a relux? Is there a reluctance for you guys, the bench guys? Like KD and Chris start the fourth quarter, second quarter, right? right? Is there a reluctance to shoot the ball when you're playing with no, guys like they, that? They tell us shoot the ball. They do. They yeah, tell but, you to shoot. But KD almost put me in a headlock the other day. and said, "Bro, you can't cock the you can't cock the trigger and not and not pull it." I said, really? "I got you. My fault. My fault, bro. I'm sorry." He I was upset you. with you for he was not up, shooting. Yes, he was upset with me. It was a fast break, too. And so, you know, me, I'm so used to seeing those guys pull up, and I'm like, okay, when I get in this game, I know what to do. I know not to shoot certain shots. Right. And him and Book, like, I thought they were going to beat me up or something. They were like, bro, you can't talk the trigger and not pull it. Shoot the ball. I said, I got you. So got these you guys are you know, encouraging want, you to shoot. And, that, and that's, that's one thing that, that helps us out as a second group and everyone else. Like, they want us to shoot. They, they're like, bro, shoot the ball. Like, I, if you don't, I'm shooting it. You know what well, I, mean? I mean, first of all, I mean, look, the, the, the book and KD, I mean, they know that you used to play football with the Buffalo Bills. I mean, they, they, they're not going to beat you up, right? I mean, right. they got to know that, right? they got to right. know about your football. No, nah, they're not going to beat me up. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so something we've been talking about, Ish Wainwright joining us in studio here. Something we've been talking about is that... Kevin Durant, like this experiment, you've only had him for eight games. Like, like there just hasn't been all, all only the, eight games. I feel like ooh, he even eight games. All season. Yeah, I mean, eight been, games. He's played. He's played eight games. How unique is that going into the playoffs? We need sixteen, right? Hmm? 16, sixteen wins. Yeah, we need sixteen <laughs> wins, not games. It, it, it feels like it feels like he's been with us all season. Like, it's just that vibe to the team. Like him and Mont are close. Him, KD, Book, they are all close. Like if it's nothing new, you know. So he brings a different demeanor to the team, and it's, it's fun. <laughs> What's what? How do you prevent? What happened last year to happening this year? New Orleans, they wore you guys down. They, they won did. two games. Alvarado on Chris. Ingram was a monster. CJ, you get to Dallas, you win the first two easy, and then they make these adjustments. You know, I remember talking to Jay Kidd about it, and even Dudley, like the things that they did with Maxi and Dorian Finney-Smith daring Chris to shoot, hanging back a little bit. Like They made the adjustments, and you guys didn't really counter. You end up losing the series. How do you make sure that doesn't happen this year? I'm pretty sure Mott's going to put us in that position to, he's going to adjust we're all going to adjust we're going to see things on the court that we can we can you know take advantage of or things like that but like I said KD has a different demeanor to the team like if, if, if Chris doesn't see if CP doesn't see anything Book doesn't see anything KD might see something shoot DA's going to see something J.O.'s going to see something. Terrence Ross is going to see. You know, we have guys that it's a different team than last year. It's a 10 times different team. Everybody knows that. Um, but it's just, it just, he brings, KD's going to bring a different, like, outlook into the game, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's just different eyes, you know? 
All right, so uh, you, you got a taste of it. What do you think? Is this your your post playing career? You gonna do this mm-hmm. thing? This I'm radio thing? Do this? You like this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, you just got three not, hours and forty five yeah. minutes more to do. Huh? That's what you. <laughs> if you're doing the show, you a just what? did. You a did what? one segment. You got through fifteen minutes. That's that's one sixteenth of your workday today. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Yeah. I have breaks. I uh, yeah, we, we got do. breaks. We, we, we got break. one coming up. Which say, is, which can I like ring a bell? And I got to go to the restroom. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, you this is, this is so cool because we we've had this running joke with you about how many times you've been on the show, but you're always so great to us every time you come on. For you to come up with the idea to come down here and do that's this in person. Oh, no, thank it's y'all awesome, man. Me. Thank y'all. Best of luck during the postseason. Uh, congrats on a, on a you know the, the the career and the season that you've had, and we appreciate you coming down here. We really truly do. This is super oh, no, cool. Thank you. I'll be back soon. Okay. All right. Hopefully not too soon. You hey, know? No, not too soon. How not about, too soon. How about after you guys win the finals? We're going to be on a parade. After you win the, the next day, the next day, that after you guys win, you come in. But that's the parade. Though, okay, the day after the parade. Yeah, I might, not right, be, I might, I might be like can IVs or something like that. I'm oh jeez, right. right. no, okay. roll them in here. Roll the IVs in here. Yeah. I'm, I'm with it. I'm with it. We can, we can talk about see, that. Yeah, I, I want to talk about that ring after you yeah, guys win this thing. We'll hydrate wait. you. We'll make sure you're hydrated. <laughs> we'll get you. Ish Wainwright joining us in studio. Thank you, sir, Thank man. You it was all. a real I pleasure. That's Ish joining us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Texas, your thoughts on the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. When we come back, Roger Goodell is he going to intervene with? the Arizona Cardinals. It's something we'll talk about next here on Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Our uh, producer deserves a giant attaboy for that. That was fun. It was well, fun. It was well done. Really fun. Miss Vareldis, well done. Well done. Apparently, he wanted that. He's like, next yeah. time I'm on with those guys, I want to go in and be on with those guys. Yeah, Talking about Ish Wainwright. I mean, I don't know that we've had any Suns player on more than Ish we've, this we, year. We have this weekly segment with them. With the Suns. With the Suns player. Yes. And it just, through happenstance or circumstance or whatever, it just seems like we've, over the last couple of years, we've really got to know Ish yeah. Wainwright a lot. He's a yeah. really good conversation. Yep. We just kind of naturally hit it off. But for him to request that, right? Because that was the, that was his idea. It was what he wanted to do. So thanks to the Suns for making that happen. And uh, Mitch and Eric and, and Austin, that you guys keeping it under wraps from us because we had no idea. I'm like, I, I was just like looking on the other side of the glass like, Where, where's Mitch? Where did he go? Oh, he's escorting in Ish Wainwright. Okay, yeah. that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Fun. fun. And he's like, I can, this is cool. I can do this. You got three hours and 45 more minutes to go. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, yeah. you know what? You get used to it. It's like jumping into a cold pool. You swim around after a while, you get used to the temperature. Mm, I love jumping into a cold I know, pool. I, I figured I'd say that. Now we need the, you guys suiting up in his role for the playoffs. Yeah, no. No, yeah. no, no. Even we wouldn't make open corner threes. <laughs> no, we wouldn't. Kevin Durant wouldn't be yelling at me to shoot. He'd have a head, yeah. have you in a headlock for shooting. For shooting. Yeah. He'd be like, dude, yes. don't shoot. I didn't, I didn't say you could mm. shoot. I didn't say you could. So, again, thanks to the Suns for making that happen. Um, all right, let's back to the Arizona Cardinals, who were on the field today as part of their off-season conditioning workouts. Jonathan Gannon was asked if he had a response to all the allegations against Michael Bidwell. Here was his response. No, I don't. I mean, I, my sole focus is on improving our team right now. Uh, so that's kind of a, exactly like you said, I think a distraction. But, uh, you know, that's not going to take away from my focus any outside noise like that. I'm uh, worried about 
uh, the players right now. Of course, he's in a tough spot with yeah, this, right? Like totally. he's been hired two months ago, right? right. Now he's yeah. got to answer you these questions. You walk into this, mm-hmm. like I just got hired. I got to deal with this. Yeah, the owners being um, accused of you know things that they did and burner phones and mistreating people and toxic workplace environment. And I just got here. Like how are you supposed to be? I'm supposed to answer a question. Yeah. Now with the latest round of kind of allegations and and sort of another log on the fire, if you will, Ron Miniger, former executive with the organization, former chief operating officer. Uh, it's been kind of revealed in the last 24 hours that he might have uh, voiced some complaints in a resignation letter to Michael Bidwell in 2019 that may or may not back up some of the allegations that were made against the organization, at least in particular in regards to an employee survey that allegedly was sort of dismissed by Michael Bidwell. That was sort of part of Terry McDonough's claims against the team a week ago. Now you got Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated kind of adding his voice to this. It's something similar to what Peter King had said in Football Morning in America. It's time to look into this, right? It's yes. time for the NFL to investigate this. That was, that was the headline of Albert Breer's story. The NFL must look into the details and the allegations against Michael Bidwell. Yeah, and you know, and it says that McDonough is aware of an instance, and again, this is alleged that Bidwell cursed at and berated a young African American employee in a racially charged manner. At the same time, Bidwell was serving as chairman of the league's racial equity committee. It says such hostile conduct on the part of Bidwell created an environment of fear for minority employees. It says McDonough is also aware of two separate instances in which Bidwell reduced to tears two pregnant employees as a result of his abusive and bullying treatment. Now, again, this is what McDonough alleges. We don't know that any of this is true. I imagine you can go speak to people in your organization and find out if this is true. We don't know, but this is what McDonough is uh, alleging. One of the women was five months pregnant. Another was seven months pregnant. Toxic workplace. So that's where he said that puts the ball in NFL commissioner Roger Goodell's court. Basically saying it's up to Roger Goodell now to do something about this. At least check and investigate it. Yeah, and it's in that I think what we're all waiting on, right? Like I imagine there might be more wrinkles to the story. Certainly the Miniger letter was a new wrinkle to the story that we learned about last night. We've already talked about on the show today. I don't know how many more of those we've got coming or if the story will eventually kind of settle down. But at some point, Roger Goodell has to decide whether there's going to be an arbitration hearing about this, whether he's going to want to investigate. And I, and I would imagine that and and I they will. They're not going to be able to turn a blind eye to think, those allegations. Can't, right? That's just what I was going to say. Can't, can't. Given what happened with Miami, given what's going on right now with the Washington Commanders and Daniel Snyder, I can't imagine the NFL can just say, oh, yeah, no, everything's good. We're fine. We're not going to look into it at all. No, you, you you've, got to, you've got to look into it. I mean, that's a, I think that's a given. I really do. I think it's a given. I mean, what McDonough is accusing Bidwell of, the, not only the toxic workplace environment, but berating minorities and pregnant women and just creating this this tough place to work and mistreating people, that will be investigated. There's no way at the... Can you imagine? Yeah, we decided not to investigate that. Really? Why? You, you know, now... We don't know what the investigation will turn up because this is just alleged by McDonough. It might be true. It might not be. We don't know. But the NFL has to find out if it is. They've got to go find out. Okay, with two, who are these two female employees that he's talking about? Now you speak to the two employees. Who is the minority, the young African-American employee? And you speak to them. Terry McDonough is, is saying that, that, that Michael Bidwell berated you, that he talked down to you, that he treated you poor. And then you get an answer, yes or no, from those people. And if mm-hmm. the answer is yes, then it's going to be a lot further of investigation. If the answer is no, the guy doesn't know what he's talking about. None of that stuff happened. Okay, now you, you can end it right there. Yeah, and, and I mean, look, we're all fresh off of what happened with Robert Sarver and the Phoenix Suns. All right, and that was a, that was, 
that was a long, arduous journey that we all went through and much longer and much more arduous for people who worked there or who worked at the Phoenix Suns who had sort of direct stories of how bad things were and who testified, who who gave the interviews to the law firm who was in charge of reporting that to to be on the verge of potentially something like that again so soon after finishing the last one. You know, it does. It's it's hard not to have that kind of bleed over into this. Right. It's hard not to think about what just happened with the Suns and wonder if exactly the same thing could happen. With the Arizona Cardinals, is the is a, is a law firm going to be involved to run the investigation? How involved is Roger Goodell going to get? I, I I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. I do know this though, and I was thinking about this a lot after the Miniker story. Michael Bidwell is, for the most part, an owner who is very much flown off the radar in the NFL, right? Like, the, if you think about NFL... Good point. Right? You think about NFL owners, you think about Kraft, and you think about Jerry Jones. You think Tavares. about... Right. You think about the big, big ones. Daniel Snyder. Uh-huh. The, 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 the famous ones, the, if you will. The guy with the bowl haircut in Vegas. <laughs> Davis, right. Yeah. That's not Michael. Now... Michael Michael didn't look this is a family business. It's been in a family forever. Michael didn't have like all this money and the business ventures that a lot of these other guys did when they bought the teams, like Matt Ishbia buying the Suns. He's got a big gigantic mortgage company. This was handed down to the family. The you know, the the family, Nicole and Bill Bidwell Jr. and Michael. Michael's in charge, but it was a family so I do think he flies under the radar because of that too, because he didn't come, you know, from this gigantic company and then all of a sudden bought a team with all this money that he had it was handed down yeah plus michael doesn't typically do a lot of press he's not out in front like jerry jones is or like robert Kraft is and now there is going to be an awful lot of attention on him a ton an awful lot of attention on them now what any of that means how i, I don't know I, I i just i know that it'll like, be with, uncomfortable i'll with, tell you that with robert and the Suns, Robert was a high-profile NBA very, owner, right? Yes, like very he, he was one of the more recognizable, I think, owners in the NBA. Maybe not to the Cuban he level. He did dozens and dozens of interviews with us on this show over the years. Dozens. We had him on plenty of a, sure. a lot. Sure. Back when he was sitting courtside, he was very visible. He was very, you know, we, we were joking the other day about that thing that he had with Greg Popovich over the chicken, chicken wings. The chicken, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, for the, the very first part, the very first 10 years of Robert Sarver's ownership of that team, he was one of the most recognizable owners in the NBA. That's not the, it's not the same with Michael. It hasn't been the same with Michael. So the, how that attention impacts them, because I can't imagine they're used to it. I can't imagine the Arizona Cardinals are used to Michael, having an owner being in the spotlight. Michael like has always kept a very small circle, you know, you know, people around him. That's, you know, Steve was there for a long time. Um, you know, Mark Dalton, who's done a great job with them, for, has been there for a long time. Michael has always had like a small circle that he trusts and people around him. That's why there's never been a lot of crazy change in the organization, um, because I think Michael likes it that way. He's comfortable that way. But this could get, this could get, you know, very uncomfortable for a lot of people because if the NFL investigates and they hire a third party to do it, there's going to be a lot of people that have to sit down and talk openly, and some people may empower it to say what they feel, and we'll see where it goes. But again, now you've, you not only have McDonough um, alleging all this, but then you've got Miniger in many ways kind of backing uh, some of the things that were said by McDonough. Yeah. Foo Fighters playing Talking Stick Resort Amphitheater on October 3rd. Let's go! Ah, we should. Foo Fighters Let's go. great. General on sale begins Friday at 10 a.m. Head to the contest page at 
ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. Time apparently is a flat circle. Guess who has a new job? That's next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Back here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Jonathan Gannon meeting with the media today. We played a soundbite from him in the last segment in which he was asked about Michael Bidwell. Of course, he has very little to do with that, but you expect that he would get asked about it. He was also asked about his football team on today, the first day of offseason workouts. And while DeAndre Hopkins is in Houston, he's not here. Jonathan Gannon says, we've been in contact. Uh, we'll see. You know, I've been in, in communication with Hop, and um, I want to do what's best for him and us at the same time. So when he's ready to come, he'll come and and uh, improve his game, too. I think it's important for them to get as many guys in, you know, to, to, to work on their game and try to get this offense down, the defense down. He's, you know, these offseason programs are important uh, to get that, to work with the team. Now, again, you're going to have a much different roster because you've got the draft coming in. We could see some trades. You're, you're going to sign a lot more players. So what you have now is not what you're going to have when you go to camp in August. But still, there's a lot of guys here. And that's what he's here for, try to get some guys in and work and you know, the more the better. Yeah, no doubt. And with Hop, of course, it's just nobody knows, right? We're, we're no, we've we've talked. I mean, about I think it. we know, but we just don't know how. We don't know where. We don't, we don't know, know when. Yeah, we, this, we don't know when. Like I still think it's going to happen, but I don't know when. But in the meantime, like, would you you like to have everybody here just in case he ends up playing? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess. So. Well, I mean, like it's like the old journalism: who, what, when, where, how, and why. I, I mean, we know yeah. the who. Nothing else we know. Okay, what? the who, the where, who we no. know. DeAndre Hopkins, the where, the why, the when, what, no, the why. No, we don't. Why? Know. I think we know the why. Yeah, we know the why. He's an older player with two years left with a lot of money, right. and they don't want you know. And they're rebuilding. Yeah, the we why just, I think we know. The where we don't know. The where and the when we don't know. The who we know. The why we know. The where and the when we have no idea. But he's not here. He's in Houston again, and saying he's been in communication with them. And when asked if he expects him to show up at any point for these voluntary workouts, because they are voluntary at this stage, he just kind of said, "We'll see." As for that Kyler Murray rehab video that circulated a couple days ago, him doing the squat rack thing. Yes. I Looking good. Here's what Jonathan Gannon said about that. I did not. I'm not a Twitter or wherever he posted that, but uh, obviously I talked to Kyler a lot, and um, you know he's he's a, he's a, he's got competitive juice, so he he wants to be um, doing everything that he can to get out there when he can to help the team win. So uh, please, where that's at, uh, I think I had a told I told him the other day. You know, as good as you feel, there's going to be a little bit of a dip. you got to make sure you don't overdo it, too. And because I know everybody out there wants to know, he was in the building today. Kyler was there. Kyler was there. Kyler was there. That's great. Like, that's good. That's I good, mean, that's, isn't it? That because is good. I think, listen, I think that's part of why you made a change to make Kyler uncomfortable. He was too comfortable. Cursing at the coach, everything. Like, you know, he was very, he was, he was very comfortable. And I think now new coach, new coordinators, new coaching staff, like, you know, you don't have that same leeway that, you know, that you had. So now, you know, you want to, you know, want to be good with these guys. You know, you want to work with them. You know, it's, it's almost a fresh start. You know, so for for Kyler, the like a divorce from Cliff. Now you've got a a new wife. It's like okay, the, all the things I did wrong, I want to make sure I don't do those things wrong again this time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why Kyler's here. 
because in the past, he wouldn't have been here. I'm going to rehab at home. I don't need to be there. He was just so comfortable with Cliff that I felt like I could get away with a lot. You always, you, you push and you push and you push. You see what you can get away with. And I think Cliff let him get away with a lot of stuff. And I think that was a mistake. Speaking of Cliff. Time is indeed a flat circle. How about that? He was the USC offensive coordinator when the Cardinals hired him, and he is now not the USC offensive coordinator. He's like the special assistant to the offense, blah, 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 whatever. But USC hired him today, and he'll basically be the quarterback guru for Caleb Williams at Man, USC. That, and that's where he was going before the Cardinals hired him. He was him. there. He was he there. He was, was be the, the offensive offense. coordinator. Yeah. Now, listen, I've been told by very, people very, very close to Cliff that he has no intention to coach in college. He doesn't want to. Now, we'll see that he doesn't want to be a head coach again. Okay. Because the recruiting and the, I mean, it's just, he didn't like it. So, but to go there and just work with a quarterback, man, you know, I don't think he could be a head coach again in the NFL, but I don't think there's any reason why he couldn't be an offensive coordinator. So if he does a good job at USC, maybe somebody will give him a chance to be an OC at some point, you know? Now, again, I mean, a, a quarterback's coach, he's not making a lot of money, so Michael Biddle's not saving much there. He's still got to pay him, mm-hmm. you know, for all these years, five years of a contract, you got to pay him for that. But I do think just working with a quarterback, that kind of fits him. That kind of fits what he wants to you do. You know, he does, but I, I got to admit, when I saw the story this morning, I was a little bit surprised. I was a lot surprised. I really had Cliff pegged for taking this year off. Maybe it was the Thailand thing. Maybe it was the one-way ticket thing. But whatever it was, I, I kind of had Cliff pegged as he's going to take this year off and he's not going to coach because it just it fried him. It absolutely fried his circuit board, having to deal with what he dealt with. Some of it self-inflicted, but I, I didn't think he was going to coach at all. I was surprised to see that he took this gig. As small as it might be. I mean, to work with a guy who could be the number one quarterback well, in the draft. I was draft. just going to say, that's the, I, I'd say I mean, it's that's a small job. It's really not. He's going to be the number one. He's probably going to be the number one pick in the draft. That's kind of a big deal. Okay, and if he is and he has a great season and you were the guy that worked and you know helped him get there, does that not help Cliff? Sure, it does. It does. But I also think Cliff, well, I don't know. I think he could have probably gotten an offensive coordinator's job if he really, really wanted one. You know, like I, I think that if he pushed hard enough, he could have gotten an OC gig if he wanted it. I, I just, I never got the impression he did. Yeah. I never got the impression he wanted it that bad. No, nope, I don't think he did it. I thought he was definitely going to take the year off, right? Yeah, that's what get I paid by Michael. Take, take the year off and see what's going to happen. Now there was a team in the NFL that looked at him. Texans. The Texans, yeah, for, Texans. for the coordinator job. He didn't get it, but he was right there on the verge of it. So he had to have some interest. And I guess it like at, when you're getting paid for five years and he's getting paid about $7.5 million, you can pick and choose where you want to be. You sure can. You want to be in Southern California? All right. We're, you're in Southern California. Yeah. Coaching with your buddy Lincoln Riley. There you go. Coaching the guy who's right. going to be the number one pick. You you, you live in the, your best yeah. Manhattan Beach life. Knock yourself out. Go for Somebody it. Somebody would have right? called him up and said, "Hey, you know, you you want to be in Nebraska?" Like he probably wouldn't have done it. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't want to be in that cold weather. Probably. Probably. So we'll see. We'll see what it leads to. Uh, uh, quick other things from the Arizona Cardinals since we're we're kind of doing a smorgasbord here, if you will. Tyree Wilson, the Texas Tech defensive end. Now we'll talk about him coming up in a little bit. He's got a visit scheduled with the Arizona Cardinals yes. tomorrow. Very popular name for the Cardinals if they trade down. Very, very popular name. If they're not able to get Will Anderson and they trade down to seven, to eight in that area, Tyree Wilson's a guy that a lot of people think the Cardinals are, okay, you still get yourself an edge rusher, and he's right there. Like That's the next guy after Will Anderson. So that's a popular name that makes a lot of sense. Here's another visit that's very interesting. Will Anderson is visiting 
with the Lions this week. At number six. At number six. At number six. Boy, I just don't know what the Lions are going to do, right? Because we talked about, would they get a quarterback? Could they, they had Jared Goff, and I thought they pretty good for them last year. Well, like, what are they going to do? And they traded they traded Akuda today. Yeah, they did for, for a fifth-round fifth round pick. pick. Now, I'll tease ahead and let you know that when we talk about Mel Kuyper's mock draft coming up at 415, yeah. he's got Will Anderson going to the Detroit Lions. He's, I know. He's got, I, I, you sent it to me today. I didn't see it. When you sent that to me today, I looked at an SB Nation one. I looked at another one. You sent me that one. I was like, wow. So two things. Wow. If Detroit's visiting with Will Anderson, do they think he's going to be there at six? Or are they moving up to get him? If they move up, right? Like, like, or are neither of those things going to happen? Are they just visiting with him because he's one of the top players? And who knows? Maybe he is there at six. Maybe so they Will have an opportunity so, to get him. So Will Anderson, let me let me just sure. for two seconds, let me follow us through. Quarterback goes one, quarterback goes two, Cardinals make a trade at three, they drop all the way down outside the top ten, or, you know, past Detroit, past Detroit. Team comes up at three, takes a, uh, takes a quarterback. Say four takes a quarterback, too. Okay. Now you're five at Seattle. Say Seattle goes Jalen Carter. There you go. Will Anderson, ta-da, on a plate for the Detroit Lions at number six. That's how it would work. That's exactly how it would work. The NBA play-in game starts tonight. We'll go through the matchups. All the other top sports stories of the day as well. Coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show.